Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. Thank you so much for tuning in. In today's episode, I am joined by Eric Sanchez. Eric is a 2-0 amateur MMA fighter fighting out of Derby City MMA right here in Louisville, Kentucky. I appreciate everyone tuning in. If you're a fan of the Kelly Patrick Show, I ask that you please send some referrals the way of my sponsors. The title sponsor of the show is Louisville Combat Academy, located at 7908 Beulah Church Road, Louisville, Kentucky, 40228. They have a great MMA program, but also, even if you aren't planning on fighting in the cage, they have a great jiu-jitsu program for adults, female-friendly classes, and a great kids program also. Check out Louisville Combat Academy. Heidi Solars Coots. Heidi is a licensed clinical social worker and licensed clinical alcohol and drug counselor, specializing in treating anxiety, depression, trauma, and addiction with a mindful and holistic approach. Heidi is actually my mother, and I can attest she is a saint. Call her at 502-457-1823. Virtual and telephonic appointments are available anywhere in the United States. Veercast Digital Media. Veercast Digital Media at veercast.com. Matt McCarthy runs Veercast, and he is also the producer for The Kelly Patrick Show. They do video production, aerial drone photography, web design, and podcast production. Contact them at info at veercast.com to start your own video show or podcast. Also, my health insurance practice, Benefits Analysis Corporation. Based in Troy, Ohio, I work from my Louisville, Kentucky office. I can help anyone in the United States with their health insurance needs. I'm an independent broker for health insurance solutions for individuals, families, Medicare-eligible individuals, and also groups. I can also write life insurance, and long-term care. If you want to support the podcast, please send me some referrals. 502-386-0978. Welcome to the Kelly Patrick Show. I'm joined in studio today by Eric Sanchez. Eric and I, uh, we're just having a pretty neat conversation right upon him arriving here at the studio. And I said, hell, let's just go ahead and start the recording and we can continue our conversation on air. You asked me how long I've been doing the podcast. I said, I actually started podcasting in about 2010, doing basketball, baseball, football, all that type of stuff. And then I ended up getting into doing a a weekend sports radio show on 1450 AM and 96.1 FM for about eight years. And, And then I started training martial arts in 2016. Then in 2017, I started the Kelly Patrick show, more focused on a martial arts type theme. Okay. Yeah. Um, direction of the the podcast so yeah that's, that's kind of awesome. kind of what brought me to where i'm at and and i didn't stop doing the am fm radio show until to, until corona happened so ben fowler yes, you were saying that you spoke coach. with ben yep but coach ben fowler um he came on the weekend sports buzz with me i think at least twice maybe two or three times okay so i know he was on the you know not that honestly podcasting is definitely cooler than the radio. Yeah, yeah. I think the... Uh, Terrestrial fact, radio. Yeah, the fact that it's just out there whenever you want to listen to it and you can start it and stop it. I think that's a, that's a thing a lot of people use and like, especially like audiobooks. Like sure. Oh, yeah. 100%. And um, AM, FM or terrestrial radio, you've got to... 
you're, you have time constraints. Uh-huh. And you've got to kind of stick to... Now, when I was at 1450 AM, 96.1 FM, I didn't have a producer really telling me exactly what I had to talk about. But if we really got too far off in the weeds with some weird shit... Yeah, yeah. Then they there would occasionally say, hey, uh, aren't you supposed to be talking about basketball? Yeah, reel it back. Reel yeah, it back something like that. So here on the Kelly Patrick Show, we can kind of... Wander. Just whatever the hell we want to. So Wayward. Uh, yep. So Eric, what I know about you okay. is you are, I believe, a 2-0... and Yes, amateur MMA fighter. If you could introduce yourself to the Kelly Patrick Show audience, how old are you? I know you have, I believe, a, a either Taekwondo or, or karate background. Karate, yeah. Okay, but who is Eric Sanchez? Uh, hello, uh, I'm Eric Sanchez. I'm 24 years old. Uh, I'm a college graduate from University of Louisville. I have a degree in health and human performance. Uh, I went there in 2016 and graduated uh, about last fall. So uh, I started karate. When I was 14. Started okay. Started when I was 14. Where, where at? Where did you grow up at? Here in Louisville. In Louisville. So I'm from California. I was born in California. Okay. And then we moved here when I was eight. Eight. Okay. So I've been in Louisville for quite quite some time now, but uh, I started karate when I was 14 with uh, one of my friends from school, <coughs> actually. And uh, we met uh, in track and stuff. And What do you mean met in track? Am I missing something here? Do you run track at U of O? Uh, no, no, no. Uh, this was middle school. This was middle oh, school. Was okay. I'm sorry. 14. My bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm spacey. <laughs> it's uh. So we met through that, and then I, he told me his like his father had uh a karate school, and I th- I always wanted to do karate. Uh, I did a little bit in California, and I just really wanted to like. I don't know. Ever since I was a kid, I just wanted to be a Power Ranger. I just okay. thought that was super dope. I liked the way they were able to move, and I would look at it, and it seemed like I don't know. I thought I could do it, so started doing karate, and I did. I've done that for now ten years, I guess, because I'm 24. Uh, I started competing a lot. Uh, I won a few national tournaments when I was uh, when I was uh, under 18, and then I got put onto a pro team when I was 22, right before COVID hit. Mm, pro yeah. karate team yeah it's like point karate it's point karate so there's just like a f- it's just there's a few different like team members on there and they basically just pay for tournament fees and stuff and travel okay it's nothing insane but it was just it was my first step like i did well at a tournament and uh one of the like <clears throat> i guess scouters talked to me about it and i was like yeah i want to do that and i was getting ready and i was started training so i could go out to the first uh first tournament and then obviously COVID hit and everything stopped so then from there uh, my karate school ended up closing down actually, so I needed a new place to train. And I had uh, I had done about eight months of jujitsu back then. This was I started in 2018, and I did it for on and off for a little bit with a purple belt from Derby City MMA. Uh, his name was Aaron Harper. Okay, he was my first uh, jujitsu instructor, so I did it with him. Was not at Derby City. Not at Derby City. No. no. Okay. And. Uh, yeah, so then in the fall of 2021, I ended up at Derby City. Fall of, okay. So. Or fall, uh, fall of 2020. Fall of 2020, okay. 2020, so yeah. coming up on close to two years. Two years, years, yeah, two two years, years of there. Derby City, okay. Mm-hmm. So you came into Derby City uh, when you first walked in the doors of Derby City. Were you thinking, of course, it's Derby City MMA. Were you thinking, maybe I'll get in the cage? Absolutely not. I didn't even think about that. Okay. I was just, uh, I wanted to do jujitsu because for me, what it looked like was my karate like story was ending, right? Like mm. my time there was done. I was moving on. So I was like, it's time to do jujitsu. I want to get my BJJ black belt too one day. So I wanted, I wanted to do that. Hell yeah. yeah. And uh, then I think I saw the, the boxing ring 
and I was like, oh shit. And then I saw, I saw. Wait, 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 wait. Oh shit. As in what? They do like striking here, man. Like I can, and. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing. Gotcha. And I wanted, I wanted to strike and I was just like, I wonder what they like, they're like over there. So, uh, I asked about the advanced class or whatever, the sparring class. And, uh, I remember, uh, the person working at the front desk actually told me, he's like, are you sure you can go in there? Yeah, I wouldn't go in there unless you have at least six months of experience. Oh, okay. That's nice. That's <laughs> yeah. nice though. And to yeah. be fair, cause mm-hmm. occasionally no someone could walk in and just get mm-hmm. the fuck kicked out of them. Yeah, absolutely. So it was, uh, it was nice to hear that a little bit in the terms of they cared. Yeah. And then on top of that, it was just, I was like, okay, cool. Let's see it. Let's run it. And then I went in there and it was just fun. I did all right. I was, I felt competitive. I felt like I could see some things and like I could make some things work. And actually first person to uh, mention fighting to me was the boxing coach, Josh, Josh Sachs. Yeah. He mentioned it to me and I was just like, really? And he was like, yeah, you could do it, man. Just keep on training. What's your, what's your jujitsu like? And I wasn't very good back then. Sure. I'm still not very good now, but I I knew like next to nothing pretty much. Sure. I knew the positions, but I knew what a sweep was and a submission was. Jiu-Jitsu is a super long journey, man. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not even like, I can't even quite even understand the layers to that kind of like conversation there. Yeah. Because I have about three years of experience now, something like that. Well, I mean, that's, you know. Not like in a row. For the the sake of um, MMA, there's so many different layers that go into being a good MMA fighter. Jiu-Jitsu is certainly important. But, I mean, you could argue, like, takedown defense. Yes. Striking, one. stuff like that. Having a, an identity as a fighter mm-hmm. is what really what's most important. So, you may end up having some things you're a little stronger than, yeah, than others at. Um, but that's just kind of inherent for everyone, I think. Yeah, that's true. And I like how you, uh, how you worded that, the identity as a fighter. And, okay. like, because that that's a big thing that I'm like staring down as I continue to like start my journey here, mm, right? Okay. And uh, because fights, there's always different types of fights, you know. Like my first fight wasn't the same as my second fight. Both went all three rounds and was a decision. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think you're the one who told who Ben was telling me the other day. Ben in his however many amateur fights he had, what was he four and one? Yeah. And now he's uh, two and one as a pro. You have accumulatively more minutes in in the cage than he does. Yeah. Than he does throughout his entire MMA career. Mm-hmm. It's you, right? Yeah, yeah. It's okay, me. so yeah. you you went nine minutes, so eighteen total minutes. Eighteen total minutes so far. Yeah. And Ben has like thirteen minutes total. Yeah, yeah. Something along those it's lines. It's crazy how yeah. that works, right? Uh, Sorry to interrupt, but no. that just kind of triggered me to remember that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's a cool. It was a cool thought. I remember when me and Ben were talking about that. We were. Uh, it was after my second fight. Obviously, on we were on the way back, and we were talking about like total cage time because I was like, dang. I remember you can see it in the when they're announcing it. I thought I maybe had lost one of the rounds with my second fight against Anas. Uh, I thought maybe the round where I got taken down or something because I got taken down in the second and the third round. But okay. I was able to reverse it. But when you're in there, you know what the perspective is like. It's just like it's. I don't leave it up to the judges because you don't really know what's going on. Sure. I felt like I had a. I felt like I had lost on the feet for my first fight as well, and then I went and I watched the video, and it was just like a completely different like thing than I than I thought it was. So you did much better than you thought you had. Yeah, I felt like I had like gotten beat up on the feet because I just got hit like a little bit, but you had been hit maybe like striking to the a couple shots to the face whereas your strength for the striking was more so kicks uh yeah i uh 
we both hit each other a lot in the face. I kicked him in the face. I did that Superman punch to his face. Uh, but he landed a head kick and then like one punch on me. But like all my all my strikes like knocked him down. Like he fell down at three of my strikes. Mm-hmm. How old is Anas? Anas was twenty. He was a young okay. kid. He was a young kid. Tapology says he's fifty-one. Uh, not accurate. Okay. So, well. Yeah. Yeah. He's two and one now. He uh he fought again after uh after our fight and he won. Okay. Very cool. Um, okay, so I felt like I interrupted you there. So we were talking about the idea of an identity yeah, an identity. as a fighter, a unique identity. There's so many different... That's why MMA really is the coolest sport. I love boxing. Mm. I love basketball. But, I mean, MMA has so many different ways you can be really good. Oh, my gosh. It's so amazing. That's what Very I'm, cool part of MMA. And uh, I can already see that just in my, my two fights were completely different. First fight, uh, I wanted to take the guy down. Second fight, I wanted to stay on my feet. And there are just different uh, interpretations of of how a fight can go. So I remember in my second fight, I really enjoyed trying to stay on my feet because it was weird for me, you know, as a karate striker going into an MMA fight to be the person like, oh, I should take this to the ground. Like it was an odd sensation to me because I didn't think that's how my first fight would be. But uh, yeah, the identity as a fighter, I feel like it's definitely guiding to being able to understand maybe not the things you're not the best at. So like... Obviously, my grappling is not as good as my, my stand-up right now. And being aware of that, I think, and having a, an identity as a fighter, I think can make you a better fighter. I think being intellectual about that, being realistic about that can be very beneficial. Hmm. So, what you mean by that is, if your strength is striking and you're truly just trying to win, now I can see a case being made for... Getting in there, you're like, fuck it, I'm an amateur. My strength is striking. I think I could win if I just were to strike in this fight. However, I want to try to win with my grappling. Yeah. I want to try to see if I can ground and pound or get some type of submission. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I can see a case, especially in the amateur ranks. But if you're looking to really maximize your potential in the long run, determining what your identity is, and then... Maybe kind of rolling with it. Now, that may need to be adjusted. That's yes, an interesting absolutely. thing because some guys, um, Jeremy Pender, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I actually, I listened to the when he was on here. Oh, did you hear I that really, one? I, yeah. I really enjoyed that podcast, yeah. Jeremy Pender's really cool. I've had the opportunity to cross-train with him one time, and I really enjoyed it. Very cool. But he is like a, what's his identity as a fighter? Oh, it's all over the place. Right? Yeah. <laughs> now, he's been fighting like professionally for over a decade. Which is crazy. So, I mean, that's a whole different conversation. Um, but, you know, where, where where does someone like that go or, or how do they end up, um, you know, you can have an identity and maybe over time that adjusts. Okay, so how about this? Being realistic about what your identity is. Yes, realistic. Not, yeah. So maybe right now your strength is striking mm-hmm. with a good takedown defense and I'm just putting these yeah. words in your mouth. I don't know. This is maybe what you feel most comfortable doing. But over time, one day you'll be like, you know, my jujitsu mm. is arguably as good as my striking. A lot of people yeah. don't know it. Maybe you're not there yet, but you know, yeah, maybe at certain points I can see that something along those lines could happen where then you adjust and you're like, you know, especially against this guy whose jujitsu is very subpar. He's probably yes. not expecting this. Mm-hmm. And then to implement a plan like that. That's what my first fight was like. And that's why it was odd for me. It was because... We watched uh, Zalion. We watched, he was 1-0. He had one fight. We watched his amateur debut. And his wrestling didn't seem the best, but on the feet, he seemed dangerous. He TKO'd the guy, right? Uh, 
But me as a striker, me and Ben were talking about it. He was just like, I think your wrestling is a lot better than his. You've been drilling your wrestling a lot. A lot. We should try and wrestle this guy. So I got in there and I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm just going to listen to Ben. And I heard Ben say, shoot, next time he throws that. And I shot. And I ended up getting a really good double leg about less than, I don't even know, 15 seconds into the first round. And I think being able to to adapt like that is very, very important. This uh, That was a small adaptation. It was just my first time in the cage. Mm-hmm. But it was still weird for me. I had never done a, any type of grappling in a competition setting like that. That was my first time doing that, was in the cage. Any type of jiu-jitsu competition or anything? Nope. Any plans of doing that? Yeah, after this uh, this June 25th fight, uh, that would be that would be the plan is to brush up on the, make the grappling a little more solid because I feel very confident on the feet. I feel like my striking is, is, is I have something there, but my jujitsu is obviously behind. And I feel like I want to be able to be good at jujitsu one day because I think it's such a good fail safe. I think it's such a good to have a type, uh, a good defense and a good offense on that as well. Just being able to throw up things you need to, you, you need to be able to do in, in your fights wherever you see them. Maybe it's off a of front headlock. Maybe you see the back. I don't know. Uh, just things like that. I think it can be beneficial. So, I really want my jiu-jitsu to be good, so I'm going to be training a lot of that. Well, if you really want it to be good and you're 24 years old and you're in good shape and you work hard. Mm-hmm. Yes, I, I would say, I hope I do. If this isn't it, then. Whew. Then I think that there's no, that's the, one of the cool things about jiu-jitsu is you may not get, you're not going to be six foot three with the legs of Ben Fowler yeah, where you can yeah. do triangles to anyone. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Maybe, maybe you will. I don't know. Some people are, are shorter and actually can so i shouldn't even say that but you'll have your own identity and as long as you work hard you got a good work ethic you can get good at jujitsu yeah absolutely and i've seen a little bit of progress just in the time i've been able to spend at derby city so oh i would say that's a pretty solid place to mm-hmm. sharpen your jujitsu skills oh yeah absolutely there's so many just like amazing rolling partners out and there. probably also new people too mm-hmm. which yeah. is a very valuable uh piece to the puzzle too yes absolutely yeah tons of people to uh, get good rounds in no, more, no matter what the, the purpose of the round is, which I think is a very like a beneficial thing when you're trying to become better at martial arts is understanding like different training partners have different uh, things they can help you with and being able to recognize that can be very beneficial because I, uh, you know, I have tons of rounds with, you know, like, you know, like relatively new people in the gym, you know, where I'm able to like work and like think about things that I want to try and do in my game. Sure. And then I obviously have my rounds where I get crushed and I'm working to make one single like escape the entire like round, you know? I've heard, and I'm sure you have too, but podcasts where people discuss at length the value to having someone, maybe even Joe Rogan, I think I mm-hmm. can think of. People who are about the same as you, you both get each other. People you just, you know, submit more than they submit you. And then also people who beat you up. Yes, absolutely. All of those types of training partners are Mm-hmm. are valuable and MMA is so wild because you can have someone that the jujitsu is on one level but then you throw in the striking mm-hmm. and it's like oh shit this guy didn't have anything for this or, yeah, or vice versa yeah absolutely that's a very and that's been like my favorite part is watching these different matchups occur based off of just like skill levels in different areas of MMA like wrestling uh, pure grappling on the ground you know they're striking what's their striking style like what's their wrestling style like uh, things like that, and uh, it's just it's made my appreciation for watching MMA a lot a lot larger because now I have a much deeper appreciation for some of the things I see like on like the like the the high level like for the pros and then just for myself 
just with my different fights and stuff. Like, it's just really interesting. That's why I'm so excited to fight soon because I just want to see what's going to happen. I don't know. It's obviously, it's always going to be different. So, like, I just want to know what's going to happen. One of the things I like to do is when I get fighters in here, of course, I want to review your your two fights you've had so far, but also preview your upcoming fight against Jalen McIntyre, but then kind of give you the opportunity to wear the analyst hat and we look over the card that you're going to be fighting on okay, yeah, uh, yeah. both nights and to the degree that you're familiar mm-hmm. and maybe we can even do a little bit of additional research or watch some footage to, to you know, technically break it down, things like that, and to do a little bit of a fight. And then I'll, I'll go out and hopefully some of those other people will listen to the episode. Yeah, That's yeah. kind of my podcasting strategy. Because yeah, yeah. amateur MMA, if someone's out there talking about you on a podcast, you, you'll probably listen. Absolutely. absolutely. So it's like low-hanging fruit for building a little organic little podcasting uh, community. So actually, I'm going to take a quick break, and then we're going to start with the preview of your fight and the others. We'll be right back. All right, so it is a two-night card. Of course, Eric, you are fighting on the second night, which yep. is Saturday, Saturday, June 25th, 2022. Um, if it's all right, we'll start with the first night, and you kind of tell me who you are familiar with when we go across these, these uh, fights, and, and we'll kind of see what, what your thoughts are on them. First fight, according to Tapology, is Christian Floyd against Jake McGinnis. Yeah, yeah, I know. I've met Christian. I've never met Jake. Uh, I think I'm Facebook friends with Jake, but I've met Christian. Christian is a uh, he's a pretty good athlete. He's pretty. I don't know what weight class he fights at, but I see, thought he seemed like large. He was tall. He was yeah. He's strong. real muscular. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know he was strong. I know he power lifted. And then uh, I don't know much about Jake. I know he fought recently, mm-hmm. but. Yeah, I know uh, I know Christian's a good athlete, and I, I know Jake at least uh, seems passionate about it because uh, I posts a lot. I've seen a lot of his, a lot of his stuff. Hell yeah! Um, okay, so that'll be an interesting one. That's at 180 pounds. Oh, okay, Christian is sitting at two and one as an amateur, and Jake is at one and two. Okay. Next fight on the card is Aaron Allen, who's two and three as an amateur against Dakota Dudley, who's four and six. As an amateur. Now, Dakota is 23 years old, and it says he's five foot six. I never know how accurate this stuff is. Yeah, I always, I always wonder because 5'6 is short. 5'6 is short for 185 pounds. Aaron Allen, I know he's taller than me. Let's see what they say his height is. 5'11". That makes more sense, yeah. So, yeah, Aaron, I'm about 5'9". He's 5'11". Aaron Allen is 37 years old, okay? So, okay. he's been training for a long time. He's one of the striking coaches at Area 502 MMA. Okay, dang. Yeah, that's a lot of, yeah, a lot of time a, to be training. A lot of time to be training. He's got a lot of good rounds in. And he jumped right back into it in December of 2021. Ended up losing via stoppage in the second round to William Conner Jr. But that was after a five-year hiatus. And he jumped right back into it going against William Conner, who is, you know, now pro. But at the time, he was a what a, a six and six, no, a six and five amateur fighter after he fought Aaron Allen. So I mean, oh, Aaron took a, about a five year hiatus and then jumped right back into it with some difficult yeah, competition. But I say someone who has a lot of matches, a lot of fights, a lot of fights, exactly. Uh, but Aaron, it, you know, to his credit, gets to train over there with a lot of studs. Yeah, yeah, it's a good gym. Yeah, so I mean, he he. 
That'll be an interesting one to watch. One of his losses, Aaron Allen's, in 2015 was to Ken Beverly. Wow, that's wild to look back at that card. Hmm. Dang, I think I was there. Lance Lawrence against Drew Schottenheimer. I was at 18. Were you? Yep. 18 and probably like 115 pounds. Really? Were you into MMA at that time? Uh, a little bit. I would. Wa- I liked watching the MMA fights. Uh, I really liked uh, watching uh, some kickboxing fights because Raymond Daniels was kickboxing at that time and he was a karate fighter. I enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Raymond Daniels is awesome. And uh, but yeah, I I always I always watched it, but I never uh, I had not thought about it. I thought it was too late. I was like, I don't know, I don't know what some of that stuff they're doing is. I don't got the time. I'm too, it's too. It's too. I wish someone would have told me that. Like, no, it's not, bro. <laughs> you know what's funny is I didn't start training jujitsu or any martial art till I was 32. Really? So a little bit more extreme. Obviously, I'm not pursuing a career as a fighter. Mm. That's a different conversation. Yeah, yeah. But even to have it as an enjoyable hobby, I didn't think it was even an option. I was like, I'm too old. Yeah, it's amazing what uh, we have these weird expectations built into us. From a lot society. of stuff is psychological. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. Not just for fighting. Not just for fight. For a lot of a lot of things, there's expectations of culture built into us about how we view what we're even capable of. And a lot of times, I feel like people make decisions before they even think about like making the decision. Mm. Like it's already it's already carved out. It's pretty deep. I agree. Next fight on the card says Todd Pickett against Skylar Nethery. Now. I happen to know Skylar Nethery had to pull out of this fight, but I'm under the impression Todd Pickett is making his amateur debut against a guy named Tony Mitchell Okay, yeah, that same night. And it's at 165 pounds. Of course, I get to train with Todd at Gracie Jiu-Jitsu of Kentucky. Also, he trains at Louisville Combat Academy. Um, yeah, I think I've, I've had the opportunity to cross-train with Todd. He's oh, really have good. you? Yeah. Mm-hmm. One time, yeah, he's really good. I, I don't know, you know, what the etiquette is for me having, oh, here's my background with Todd. I started training at age, Todd is 20. I started training six years ago, about a year into me training. So I was 32. I was about 33 then. Mm. A 15-year-old kid started. Yeah. And that was Todd. Oh, okay. And I remember he would go real hard and he was trying triangles and stuff before he even knew what to do. Yeah, okay. And he was trying arm bars and all this real intense stuff. And I had to go really fucking hard against a 15-year-old kid. Yeah, I've, I've met them. Yeah. yeah. I've met some, Isn't it wild? It's crazy. So I got to see him at the very beginning and he had that intensity from day one. Uh, but he also has a real strong work ethic and... Super important. So once again, I don't know what the etiquette is is for this type of a podcast, but if I had to bet on any fight for either of the cards, mm. it would be that Todd Pickett's going to win this fight. <laughs> yeah, I would. I would. I would. Just what my gut tells me. I would. No agree. offense to you or any of the other fighters, but Todd. No, absolutely. I think, uh, especially for his debut, he's been so much time and effort into into that thought process. He's uh he's going to crush it. He's going to knock it out of the park. He was ready to make a. Amateur debut, I think, right when he turned 18, and he almost yeah. did, but now he's 20, yeah, and it's just now coming together. Yeah, that's awesome. It doesn't say his birthday, but I'm sure he's pretty sure he turned... Actually, he, I think he turns 20 next month, if I remember correctly. Let me check. Dang, if so, that's young. Yeah, so I think Todd is 19 now, and his birthday, if I remember correctly. Yep, July 17th, 2001. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy to so me. So he is 20. Does that mean he turns 21? 
Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. so that means he turns 21 next month. So he's 20. Wow. My sense of time's all fucked up. Yeah. So he's 20 now. He'll be 21 next month. Still impressive. It's crazy to see, like, some people that age, like, being able to perform at this, even this type of level. Because for me, when I was that age, I was like, I think I had just gotten even large enough to fight as a flyweight. You know Mm. what I'm saying? I was so small, and I was very, like, I looked very, very, very young when I was 18. I was a very late bloomer. And uh, there was no way I could have fought back then, you know? Well, you hadn't put the specific... You you were fighting. Yeah, I was fighting. I was, in I, what you had trained. Yeah, yeah. I to was be doing, fair. Yeah, I was doing uh, something a little a little bit different uh, with, with with point karate. And I still think it's very valuable. And I think it's it was just like... I don't know. It's like someone who did wrestling or something as a kid. It's like the same deal. I just competed a ton against a ton of different people in a very for a very specific part of the massive map that is MMA, right? Sure. So, yeah. Um next fight on the card, Paul Oney against Jackie Stevens. I think I've maybe even attended one of Jackie Stevens' fights if I remember correctly. Um Yeah, he lost to Nicholas Mondelli in June of 2021. So I think Nick I was Mondelli. there. Yeah. Nick Mondelli. Yep. Yep. So I think I was there for that fight. I think Nick Mondelli's fighting uh, in Louisville now too. I think. Yeah, man. What a story. Have you followed Nick Mondelli's? Mm-hmm. Um, is he on one of these cards? Uh, I don't know if they officially put him on yet, but I know they, I thought he was supposed to fight in Springfield for the belt. Okay. But I think that show was moved. So I think he might be fighting in Louisville is what I heard. I don't know. I could, I could be 100% wrong, but... Okay. I would love to see him, you know, uh, fight as always. He's... I, I've told the story a million times on the podcast, but I'll say it again. I was there when he got into the cage against Taylor Wood for his amateur debut. I was commentating yeah. the fight. And he got in and he was all hyped up and I was studying his body language mm-hmm. and he looked like a like a someone who's getting ready for a street fight like he was stiff yeah but he was really mentally like into it yeah yeah yeah. and then he got in there and he just got kind of finished real quick yeah mm-hmm. and i was like that was an interesting experience but something about it stuck with me yeah and now look at him and then he handled it just like an absolute fucking like a, a man mm-hmm. kind of should mm-hmm. instead because one thing you could do is you you're like i tried real hard i was ready i, I was all amped up and then kind of bitch out yeah and not get back in there Mm-hmm. But he did. He completely got back in there, and he actually looks really good lately. So very yeah, he's cool. Six and two in his last eight fights. Wow, is that right? Mm-hmm. Wow. Shout out to Nick Mondelli. One of these days, I should do an episode with him. Um, so Todd Pickett against Skylar Nethery. I'm sorry, not Skylar Nethery, the other guy. But the next one is Tony Mitchell. Okay, and then we have Paul Oney against Jackie Stevens. That's an zero and two against one and five. Then we have Dylan Hurt against Barimidize, um, two and one amateur against one and one amateur. Then we get into the pro card. We have Perry Stargell at a Vision MMA in Cincinnati. Yeah, I've tr- I've trained with Perry. Have Perry's. you? Yeah. So the Vision guys, they came down. So I got to train with a few of them. Very cool. Uh, Pender, uh, Perry Stargell. They were very, very, uh, very, very fun to work with and. They're just awesome, just the way they do everything. They seem very hard worth ethic, humble. Uh, just want to get better. I love it. Was Kamara there? No, he wasn't. I wish he. I wish he was. I okay. wish he was. Yeah. 
I talked to because I talked to him because uh, I think we fight on the same night. So oh okay yeah because he fights he fights the. Uh, Saturday. 25th. Yeah. Okay. I got, yeah, he's got Man, what fight. a weekend is this going to be? It's going to be nuts. It's going to be like fireworks constantly. It's going to be crazy. It's so funny how the local or regional MMA scene, for the people who are in it, mm-hmm. this is fucking like, like yeah. Disneyland. This is, yeah. Yeah, this cool. is like heaven. Yeah, I'm This so type excited. of weekend. Yeah, I know. I'm so like, I'm like planning out like my whole, everything that's going on, especially because like right after my fight, I'm going to be going on vacation. So really, where are you going? Going to Miami with some of my friends. Oh, okay. So it's going to be really fun. So they told me I better win or else they're not taking me. Is that right? Yeah, something like that. Is it some of your friends from the gym or another circle of friends? Uh, Some of my, another, some of my friends from the fraternity I was in when I was in college. Okay. A U of L. Yep. Okay. Did you, what part of Louisville did you grow up in? Uh, so technically outside of Louisville, Mount Washington, Kentucky, okay. I went to Bullard East High School. Gotcha. Okay. Uh, Perry Stargell's five and two as a pro. Nathan Pierce is three and two as a pro. Nathan Pierce, my backstory with Nathan, super nice guy, corrections officer, currently trains out of a gym in Florida. I don't have the best memory of exactly what the name of the gym is. Sorry, Nathan. But Nathan had such a long amateur career. How many fights? I think his amateur record was nine and seven before he went pro. Dang. That's a a lot of fights. Back in 2014, yep, Nathan Pierce was the first MMA fighter that I ever interviewed. Really? Yep. Dang, that's awesome. Yeah. And I, I interviewed him, and then I went to, I think this was in Lexington. Let me check. Hard Rock MMA 60. I interviewed him. He seemed nice. I was like, well, I'm going to your card. I'm gonna go, I'll be there cheering for you. And I went to the card, Hard Rock MMA 60. No, it was in Shepherdsville. I went to it, and he got knocked out right away. And so it was almost like kind of disturbing for me. Yeah, dang. Yeah, so it was in round one, a minute 10 into round one. Rob Covington got him. But he's the most humble guy, just the nicest guy in the world. Great attitude, real hardworking uh, person. So he gets back in there, and I've seen him win. I've seen him lose. And now, after such a long amateur career, like I said, he is 3-2 and two as a pro, which is super cool. Yeah, that's awesome. So, I mean, I mean, it's pretty cool, in my opinion. You get to be sub or uh, above 500 mm-hmm. as a professional. That's, for, that, that's impressive. Yeah, that's impressive. I mean, I don't know if he's going to the UFC, but, I mean, regardless, for something that's his – Life, passion. Yes, absolutely. He has something that he's getting paid for. You know, he takes a lot of pride in. Yeah, and it, it paves a way for a lifestyle, too, if you can find a way to, to make it work. Sure. You get into something like coaching. Look at Ben. Yeah, that's what, yeah, that's what I do, too. I'm a, oh, that's right. Ben told me that you're, you're, in, you're one of the, the striking coaches. Yeah, I'm one of the kickboxing coaches, and I'm one of the strength and conditioning coaches as well. Very cool. Um, let's see here. Get the volume straightened out. Okay. Um, so the next fight on the card, we have Perry Starchell against Nathan Pierce. Next fight on the card is two-and-one professional fighter, Ben Fowler against five-and-seven pro, Gabriel Mota. South End Jesus, Ben Fowler. South End Jesus, Ben Fowler. How long have you known Ben? How long have I known Ben? I guess since September of 2020. Oh, okay. Okay. And what kind of coach is he? Ben is a very realistic coach. He does not uh, cut any corners. He does not uh, over-embellish at all. He is very uh, 
very straightforward. I remember one time <clears throat> before I made my debut, I was talking about one of the other MMA fighters, and I was like, I think I beat them on the ground. And Ben looked at me without skipping a beat and said, no, you don't. That's not going to happen. And I was just like, really? You don't think that? And he was just like, no, I don't think so. Cool. And it, it's good to have that. I need, you need that, that, like that base in reality. But he's also very... Uh, he he acknowledges he acknowledges when when I when I do well and uh, he wants to build up my strengths. He doesn't try to hide or push away any of my uh, techniques that I like from karate because I have quite a few like different techniques that I use when I strike and stuff that aren't conventional kickboxing. I would say sure. Oh yeah. Yeah, and but I'm damn good at them. So and uh, he's always he wants me to add to my style. And uh, he definitely wants to see me succeed. He's done a lot to, to help me succeed. Ben's a good coach. Ben's a damn good coach. He's very analytical, very intellectual about it. Very, he treats it like a science. I can see that. I believe that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. He is a black belt in Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. Yep. Under Nicholas Albin. Yes. Okay. Um, and he knows how to strike a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. He's he's. I've seen him punch before. Isn't yeah. that? It is funny because I was there. Let me look back. I did the, before I ever really got to know Ben. I commentated his fight against Chris or Jacob Worf back for Hard Rock MMA one one oh two in September oh, yeah. of two thousand eighteen. And I even if you go back and listen to it, I think you can hear me saying Ben Fowler, a brown belt under Nicholas Albin. Mm. You know, he's going to try to get this to the ground. Yes, absolutely. And then he did. He won by triangle. Yeah, and I yeah, was yeah. like, well, you know, I wasn't trying to knock on knock his striking yeah. at all. But I was like, well, that's what, you know, that's kind of how it works. Yeah. But then my, my uh, memory goes like this. Did, still didn't know him, hadn't hung out with him. Then I saw him fight against Peyton Hughes. Yeah. Have you watched that fight? Yeah, absolutely. And... I was like, just a, a bloodbath, just fucking blood everywhere. Yep. And they had to stop it. Yep. And then Ben was just fucking furious in the cage. Yeah. He was like, just pissed off at it, just the experience. Cause he was like, I know that I lost, but yeah. I wish I could keep fighting. I could see what was going on in his head. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's a hothead or anything like that, but I remember looking at him like, this guy's scary. Yeah. This guy looks so pissed off mm -hmm. that it, you know, that it has to be stopped prematurely yeah. i mean that has to psychologically be a difficult thing to wrap your head around yeah. you got to cut and if it were up to you you'd be like yeah fuck yeah let's keep fighting yeah absolutely but they have their yeah. things they got to do you got a doctor there for a reason yep. and if there would have been something real bad yeah then they would have uh, it would have been the doctor's ass yeah absolutely the but i remember thinking holy shit this guy's a psycho he technically lost but in my yeah. mind i remember saying on the podcast even after that he lost almost with air quotes, mm -hmm. not to take anything away from Peyton Hughes, but I almost think in that type of situation, it's not the same as a normal loss. Yeah, the, absolutely. A loss like that, it's just, uh, it hurts because especially uh, if you watch the fight, Ben obviously finally got in a position where they were on the ground and uh, that's when the doctor chose to, chose to, or the ref chose to stop the fight and look at it. Mm -hmm. But then... After that, I got to interview Ben. I had him come in studio here. My son, Johnny, uh, my 13-year-old son, Johnny, um, has been training jiu-jitsu since he was four. Wow. So, like, nine years. He doesn't train his – actually, he doesn't really train jiu-jitsu anymore. He does more like boxing okay. um, right now. But – so, he has a little bit of background in jiu-jitsu. He helped me interview Ben. First okay. time I ever interviewed Ben. Dang. 
and I was talking to him and Johnny's always like, what's his record? And then like he judges them and he's like trying to think if they're good or they going to the, everybody, are they going to the UFC? Yeah. It's like real <laughs> black and white type analysis. Yeah. Absolutely. Behind closed doors, he'll say like, I don't think that person can make it to the UFC. And I'm like, hey, Johnny, chill out. I mean, yeah. that's, 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 not, that's not everybody's journey. But yeah. you know, like a little kid. Yeah, absolutely. You see it one dimensional. Mm-hmm. But then he said, I always prepare some questions for Johnny to ask the people when we do the episodes. And he asked him, you're fighting Elijah Walker. What do you think will happen? And Ben said, Johnny, you train jujitsu. What do you think? Because Elijah Walker had like a tattoo that said power lift or something like that. Yeah. He like held a state record for weightlifting. Yeah. And Ben dude. was like, I think I'll probably try to take him down and choke him out. Yeah. And Johnny was like, okay. And then Johnny w went there with me to the event, sat in the crowd, watched. As Ben just went in and shot a double, yep. took him down. Took his back, I think, and just rear naked choked him. And Johnny was like, that's cool. He did exactly what he said he was going to do. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So Johnny was like, this guy at least knows what he's doing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Here's where it gets real crazy. Oh, my God. <laughs> then we interviewed him again. I think Johnny saw him again. You know, we, we talked. I did an episode with him again. I hyped this Derek Overstreet versus Ben Fowler fight up yeah. more than any fight I've ever hyped up. Okay, yeah. Before the fight. For some reason, I'm, I'm a... a a low-level, dumpy, regional MMA podcast. I pick <laughs> little amateur fights. I'm not saying that that's little. No offense to either of them. Yeah. But I hype certain fights up. Yeah, absolutely. You got it. And that was intriguing because that's a Division One athlete with mm -hmm. the Adonis body, mm -hmm. just a, a freakish Division One football player against the dad bod guy, Ben Fowler. Ben Fowler, yes, absolutely. And... The guy who's trained more martial arts is Ben. The guy who has the more physical gifts, probably Derek. Yeah, absolutely. So then we all know how that went. Yeah, absolutely. Stunning, stunning knockout. So Johnny was sitting there with my ex-wife's brother. So Johnny's uncle, I got them little uh, uh, table. They were sitting at a table and they were sitting right there in Elizabethtown. I was doing commentary next to the cage and he knocked him out. And I was like, oh shit, the whole crowd. You weren't there, I assume. No, I wasn't. Uh, the whole crowd was like, holy fuck. It was like the craziest moment I've ever seen. Yeah, absolutely. So I just stand up and look over at Johnny and, and my former, my bro uh, brother-in-law, and they're both like, oh my God. And it's like one of the more memorable things we've ever went through for us. I'm sure. I'm sure that had to be so dramatic in person. It was. Gosh. And then he gets the mic and he's, and he's mm -hmm. telling like about the difficult situation with his daughter and mm -hmm. all this stuff. So it was very emotional. Yeah. And then after that, Johnny was like, behind closed doors, he would say to me, Ben Fowler's going to the UFC. Dude, he is. I think, uh, I think there's, a, if there's a fighter that I know that has some of the, some of the potential. It might just be Ben. Okay. He's just intellectual about it, I think. I think if he can, uh, the biggest things for a lot of fighters in my opinion, is trying to stay healthy and make the right decisions. And if you can find a way to do that, then I think a lot of, there's a lot of doors that can be opened. Especially when you have someone who, like Ben, who obviously has the tools to do it. I think he does. He's got the striking. Mm -hmm. Knockout power, black belt and BJJ. I think he can make it work. You fought Brian Battle. I think... I. I, if Ben wants to, if Ben wants to, he can make it work. He's just got to. He's got to continue this nice little run he's on. Mm -hmm. You know, win five, six, seven fights in a row. For real, for real. Especially if he has any any performances like we've seen thus far, these first round finishes where they're so so dramatic and so just like awesome. Because his only loss 
was, oh, so then Johnny helped me interview Brian Battle, mm -hmm. and I was trying to hype up Brian Battle versus Ben Fowler, because Ben Fowler came on the podcast after his Derek Overstreet yeah, win, yeah. and he was like, I was like, what's next for you? And he was like, I watched that Josh Krizan against Brian Battle fight. I'll fight either of those guys. And I, me being the shit sh stirrer yeah. that I am, I was like, oh, you said you'd fight either of them? <laughs> and so then I, I don't know if I contributed to it. I don't know. But I somehow then Hard Rock matched Ben up with Brian Battle. Yep. And then Johnny helped me interview Brian Battle. Brian Battle, of course, um, ended up beating him in the first round. But he walked over. Brian Battle, if you go back and watch the video, I don't was know it, if it's it in the video. I thought it was the second round. Yeah, actually, I think it was around the second round. I'm sorry. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He got through the first round with that, yes. Um, but ben, Brian Battle got out of the cage and walked right up to Johnny, my son, and said, sorry, I had to beat your boy or something like that. Oh, yeah, I had heard, heard about that. Yeah. Like, he was kind of like, and Johnny was like, I didn't know what to say. <laughs> <laughs> so it was this big USC-bound yeah. badass coming yeah. over and jokingly, Brian's super nice. Absolutely, absolutely. He's super, yeah, he's super cool, especially... Ben taking that as an amateur or a professional. That's player. pretty gangster to take that as your pro debut. Oh, my gosh. Like, that's terrifying. And then, of course, after that, he goes on to win the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Okay, so continuing right along. Ben Fowler against Gabriel Moda. Ben has the height and reach advantage. I think Gabriel Moda is only 5'9", so he's about my height. I've done some light sparring with Ben as a 5'9 man. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I'm as good as Gabriel Moto because I'm not. Yeah, absolutely. But Ben is not easy to <laughs> to do anything to. You got to be able to work with what you have, and Ben works very well with the with the skill set and the body that that he has. He uses his reach very well, and uh, I think I think he'll be able to he'll be able to pull that off. We'll see what he just decides to do. That is an interesting thing, kind of like we were talking about earlier, the whole notion. And in the pros, that's probably not what you're trying to do. Mm -hmm. What I was saying earlier, we are like, maybe I'll just, for the hell of it, try to out-wrestle this guy. Yeah. I'm guessing Ben's going to come out there swinging for the fences. Yeah, absolutely. Swinging for the fences or looking somewhere to be on the ground somehow. Because obviously he'll have, he'd have that. I don't know what Gabriel Moto's, Gabriel Moto's back, uh, background is. Mm -hmm. with, with uh, jujitsu, but black belt ain't nothing to play around with, so. No. Let me see if I have any info on Gabriel Moda. There we go. Yeah, he sent me some info. In April of 2021, he said he didn't, he wrestled and played football in high school. Okay. Then he went on to wrestling college. In college, I wrestled heavyweight, so I'm used to competing against taller guys. Had an excellent amateur career. Have TKO wins in three different weight classes, 185, 205, and heavyweight. Won three titles in, in, as an amateur and ranked number one at 185 and 205 in Illinois and Indiana before he turned pro. Turned pro in 2017, started off rough, went 0-3, and then he quit for a while. Let me see what jujitsu. He gave me a lot of info here. Dang. Um... Yeah, it sounds like his, his foundation is wrestling. Someone wrestled in high school. Uh, I would say that he's, you know, he's a well-rounded fighter, so that should be a good matchup. That would be good. Ben's pretty gangster for just getting in there on short notice with the other guy oh, and just yeah. keeping it going. Yep, that's what, that's what we're about. We don't stop training. They asked him, and I thought it was so fun. They asked him, uh, 
is this how you expected this fight to go? His most recent win against uh, Logan Crosby. And uh, he goes, he goes. Uh, this is about what I expected. I train all day, every day. I'm a professional. This is what I do. He does, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know I, better than I do. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Because I train, I train, I train with him, and I'm with him all the time. Uh, ben is very much helping me out, trying to find a place for me in the gym so I can train as much as possible, so I can like try to get closer to my my goals, my dream, what I want to do, mm-hmm. which is just be an excellent fighter. To get to train as much as he does, that type deal. Yeah, it's very. I'm very, very fortunate that I'm getting in on this kind of uh, lifestyle and this kind of support of like different people in my life. I'd say that's a heck of a, an opportunity to stumble onto somebody like Ben or mm-hmm. really um, Joe and Chewy too. Yeah. Absolutely. Just for kind of cultivating that atmosphere. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The culture that's there and then they, what, what they, uh, what they want to see out of me and how they want to see me succeed as well. Cause all the, the respect is, is all very both ways. So it's awesome. It's awesome. Next fight on the card is Isaiah Ferguson against against Joshua Oxendine. Um, Isaiah is eight and three as a pro, and Joshua it says is eight and five. Although I think Tapology does some screwy stuff. High quality fight, right? Yeah. See, this one here says bare knuckle. Oh dang! Okay. So that shouldn't count, should it? This one's kickboxing. One, two, three. Four, five. Okay, yeah, he's pro eight. My bad, I was wrong. He's eight and five as a pro. Okay, cool. MMA fighter. Um, and Isaiah, of course, of the Fighting Ferguson family out of Louisville Combat Academy. Yeah. Isaiah is 29 years old. Yeah, okay. so, yeah, today's the fifth. On the 13th, he'll turn 30. His nickname is the v- Vanilla Gorilla from Mount Washington. Oh, dang. Mount Washington? Mm-hmm. Kentucky? Yep. Oh, dang. Okay, yeah. cool. Or, or Taylorsville, I think, because we're the first. I think he may have been. Taylorsville, yeah, that's right next to it. Yeah, so I think he, his family, the Ferguson, I think Bruce Ferguson Sr., I think, lives in Taylorsville. Um, and I think that's where Isaiah lives now is Taylorsville. Um, but J- Isaiah is one of those guys who, if you look at his, his resume, okay, he went 6-0 and as an amateur. And then he was 5-0 and as a pro before he lost a split decision to Nathan Manis. Dang. Okay, yeah. Dang. Yeah, I was cage side for that one. It was a close one. I mean, it, it, you know, it could have went either way even. Yeah, dang. That's, that's a tough fight. I'd say so, yeah. And then for Hard Rock MMA 100, which was August 11th of 2018, um, Hard Rock went to... Um, to the Fourth Street Live. Are you familiar? Did you see that one? I didn't see it, but uh, I was aware of it. That's awesome. And he was the main event. Isaiah was the main event against Ken Beverly. Now, I'm not making excuses in this situation. Ken, let's see. Isaiah fights at 135. He's even talked about going down to 125 at times. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Ken Beverly most recently fought... June 6th of 2022. Let's see what weight class he fought at. 155. Okay. And he's fought as high as 170. Dang. Okay. okay so somewhat of a size difference. Now, yeah. Isaiah did lose. Yeah. But that was his second loss of his career. And Ken has fought for like Bellator and 
Dang, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, I mean, it's not a bad loss. Now, this most recent loss to Terry Lemaire was a, a, a different one. He got submitted in the first round. It was a, a real unexpected type deal. You know, Lemaire's the guy that Pender knocked out. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that was an unexpected, probably the most difficult pill to swallow of Isaiah's career. But he, he, he's ready to get back in there. And he's the co-main event of that Friday night card. So that's a big fight. The um, the actually one moment here. Main event of that card is Carlos Garnett Jr. against a fighter you're familiar with, Michael Roberts. Mike Roberts, yeah, he trains with me at Derby City MMA. Now Carlos Garnett Jr. Uh, most recently got in there April 22nd for the B2 Fighting Series, and he defeated Randy Jones. Who also trains at Derby City MMA, Randy. Via mm-hmm. uh, stoppage from strikes in round one. Um, so that was uh, almost like maybe Mike Roberts is trying to exact revenge for his teammate. Something like that, yeah, something like that. I think Mike watched that fight and was just like, dang, I want to take a crack at it, so here he's going. Are you... Have you been able to train with, with Mike Roberts much? Yeah, yeah, me and, my, me and Mike always... The MMA fighters, we always beat each other up at 4 p.m. on Monday every week. So I get to train with Mike a lot. He's really, really good. He's got some really good. Uh, <clears throat> his stand up is very uh, calculated and very well put together. It's very, it's like a chess match with him. And then he's strong. He's obviously a BJJ brown belt with Chewy. Oh, I didn't even know what his rank was. That's. Yeah, yeah, he's a brown belt. He's I believe belt. it. Yeah. yeah okay. Very tough fighter. Very tough fighter. And. Uh, very another very just smart guy well put together gonna take it take takes what he does very very seriously so that should be a good fight that should be a very good fight so that's the main event of friday night night one okay so moving right along um night two according to tapology i don't know how accurate this is do you know anything about the order of fights uh no not at all okay but it says here it lists eric sanchez against Jalen McIntyre is the first fight of the night. Yep. What do you know about your opponent, Jalen? I know Jalen is, to me, he looks like a very, well, like just a put-together, I don't want to say generic MMA fighter because I think he has his flair. I think he's obviously very tough, but he has some very good basic principles for MMA fighting. He has some wrestling. He has some top game for jujitsu. Okay. He has some striking with what he does. So he's, he's what he's put his, put his game together. And I think, uh, should be, he's tough as nails. I'll say that. So I'm very excited to see that because that's going to be an interesting puzzle to try and figure out is how tough he is and trying to figure out how to, I don't know, see if I can finish the fight. What weight do you walk around at? Like, what do you think you weigh right now? It depends. So it, there's my like, like training weight, like camp weight, and then there's like if I just did what I wanted, ate what I want, I would walk around between one forty five and one fifty. But my training and like my camp weight, I tend to weigh between right at one forty, basically, and then I kind of dip down as much as I can for the fight, and then I cut. So, but weights in my weight class has never been a very uh, how do I say, a uh, worrying thing for me. I don't want to sound cocky, but I don't think there's going to be anyone stronger in my weight class than me. Okay. 
I'm a pretty, I'm pretty, pretty strong. I'm very strong. Uh, I have like a three times body weight deadlift. I squatted 390. Wow. Um, okay. How yeah. long have you been lifting weights? Uh, geez. I, when I did it, it was like three years when I did that. So this is just, I'm going to be honest. I think I just have a genetic like predisposition for that kind of stuff. It's, it was kind of crazy. Let's, just, let's dig into that. What, what, uh, background, like what type of name is Sanchez? Hispanic name? Uh, so I'm adopted actually. Hispanic mm. is, uh, so Sanchez is a Cuban name. Oh, okay. But, uh, it, I'm adopted. That's my Cuban. You were adopted name. into a Cuban family. Uh, into, so a Cuban and white family. My father was Cuban. My mother was white. Okay. But by a lot, have you done ancestry? No, I've always wanted to. I just never got around to it. It'd be cool. I mean, it's kind of, I mean, I'm just, I'm short. I'm brown. I got curly hair. I'm probably Hispanic. So it kind of, I'm from a very Hispanic dense population in California. But uh, you were adopted and you don't know who your biological parents are. No, I have no idea. Wow. That's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Definitely. Uh, yeah, I was adopted. I was in foster care for a little bit. And that definitely, I feel like, affected part of my mindset for in how I ended up like fighting, I think. I think it definitely like not growing up with like a very normal background definitely made me feel a certain type of way. And I feel like I looked towards things like Power Rangers, things like, uh, I don't know, martial arts and karate as a way to like get myself on even an even playing ground almost. Okay. Yeah. What age were you adopted by the Cuban American family? Uh, I was, so they started fostering me around two years and then they went through the process of trying to adopt me. And I think, I don't know, officially when I was adopted, it was three years, four years, something like that. Age three or four. Yeah, something like that. And Are there many Cubans in California? Uh, I don't know. I, I, for some reason, I didn't think there was. Not really. Uh, my father, his family, I think they, they came to Florida originally. Okay. And then I think my, my mother and my father, yeah, went to California for the same reason, which was just like everyone was going to California in the 60s. So, okay. Yeah. And that's how they ended up out, out, out there, and then they adopted me. What part of California? Uh, Palmdale, Lancaster area. So okay. it's like north of L.A., Okay, close to LA though. Yeah, that's about thirty minutes north. Probably takes you an hour to get there with traffic. You know. Gotcha. Interesting. Happy I asked. Yeah. Some yeah. people shy away from the race conversation. I like. I like to. It's dive a, right into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's maybe you're like uh, genetic, like uh, Polynesian. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's always been like possible. It, I'm, I'm trying to dig into the strength thing. Yeah, I know. I'm very. Yeah, I don't know. It's very, it's very, very odd. That was definitely like I've done an, a wide array of sports. I did track and cross country, and I did a d- bunch of different events in track. And I was best at some of the power events. Some of the so, the 400 was probably my best event. I ran a 54 quarter mile. And then the half mile, I ran like a 204, and I was not very good at cross-country relatively. I could not really, like, I think I cracked 20 minutes for my 5K, which was not, like, amazing at all. That was very, very just normal. But, yeah, I've always had a predisposition towards, uh, like, I would say power and strength. Interesting. Yeah. But I still got cardio, too, because I've been pushing that for a long, long time, so. Okay. So... I'll ask the hard-hitting question. Okay. What's your prediction for your fight? For my fight, I think uh, I think my karate style is going to uh, probably, I think it might outclass him on the feet. Okay. I think he's going to look to wrestle. And I think, I think I'm just so good. 
at scrambling. My balance is so good. My awareness is so good. Mm. I think no matter what happens, whether I have to do proactive or reactive wrestling, I'm going to be able to find a way to end up in the top position. And you- then from there, my cardio is so good, we'll just run it, run it, run it, run it, no matter where we need to be. If you want to scramble again, you want to get back up on the feet, you want to go back to the ground, I think I'll be able to continue to find the winning position. Love it. You get plenty of rounds in with people with wrestling backgrounds at Derby City, I assume? Yeah, yeah. There's tons of wrestlers there. And then we obviously have a very good wrestling coach in Brandon Reed. So I've been very fortunate to train with him, and I try to take advantage of that as much as possible. And yeah, I don't know. I love wrestling. Wrestling was kind of like came naturally to me so it was very like i've enjoyed trying to put it as much as i can to that next fight on the card is jordan gast against jacob the master are you familiar with either of these fighters yeah so the first thing i would look at this is there's a bit of an age difference here isn't there let me take a look jordan gast is two and oh does not show his age here well i think he's like either he's late 20s or early 30s or may, he might be older than that he didn't look uh, young when I saw him. Jacob Lemaster, I know, is pretty young. He says he's 22 years old. Okay. Yeah, so I guarantee you, I think I think Jordan Gast is at least 30, in my opinion. If, if he's not, I, I'm sorry, Jordan, but... Interesting. Okay, so 2-0 and o against 4-1. and one. Yeah, they call him... I think Jordan Gast is the Gast Tank. I think this is his nickname. Okay. I think he fought recently at an event that I was at, one of the fights that I was at. Okay. Very cool. So that's a 135-pound matchup. Up next is a nice matchup for someone like me to see. Ethan Riley, who I've been fortunate to be around at least for, let me see, his only loss is to David Richardson. I know that. I commentated that one. That was back in October 2020. David Richardson, you know who he is? Just a beast of a, a college, active college wrestler. Oh, dang. Okay. Who then started his amateur MMA career while he was wrestling in college. But anyways, then um, Ethan Riley went on to beat Travis Hudson, who I actually trained with earlier tonight. Okay, cool. tough as shit. Uh, and then he beat Elijah Woodruff and George Nichols. So Wilder is an exciting fighter. Of yeah. course, a Cuban guy, transit area 502 MMA, sitting at 3-0. and mm-hmm. Dang. Yeah, so you said that Nicholas Mondelli was like six and two over his last eight fights or something. Yeah, Will Wilder. Uh, Wilder's the one guy on, uh, who did got a got a dub, got a, a stoppage win despite the the shit talk. Did you see that? Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I thought that was so awesome. When that was, was awesome. Give me someone serious. Yeah, yeah. There was this couple specific quotes that everyone was repeating. The, shout out to the B two fighting series. I don't work for the B two fighting series at all anymore. At yeah. all. But they're fucking awesome. No, they do it very well. They take amateur MMA, and it's gotten even better, admittedly, since I left. But they take amateur MMA, and they make it all like they're the biggest people Perf- in the UFC. They professional get grade. Very awesome. high-quality uh, video footage, and even the weigh-ins and fucking everything is fucking yeah, awesome. It's awesome. It's crazy. I'm very uh, lucky to, to have the opportunity to fight for them. I really enjoy all of my all of my all of my because I've done obviously I've done a few different a few different things over my time as, a, as an athlete and I've never, I, it's, they run it very, very, very well. Next fight on the card is actually, you want to make a prediction for Ethan Riley versus Wilder versus Wilder. If you're not familiar with 
with Ethan that may be difficult to do. I'm not too familiar with Ethan. I know Wilder is tough because I know he definitely got uh, – I know Mondelli had hurt him. I don't know if he hurt him, hurt him, but he definitely had landed some strikes on him, and Wilder came back and turned it around. So uh, I don't know Ethan Riley too well, but I do know he's going to have a tough matchup there because obviously Wilder's not going to give up. Okay. Up next, 145-pound matchup, Daniel Kilburn against Blake Alvey. What a fucking card. Both nights. Yeah, absolutely. Those are some high those are some good amateurs right there. I would say so. Kilburn sitting at three and one. Blake Alvey's two and one. If you had to pick a favorite for this, uh, who, who would you say is the favorite? So I've trained with both of them. Oh, okay. Putting you on the spot here. Let me see what the, the tapology says actually. It says that Kilburn's winning a hundred percent to zero. Those are difficult to take much from, but 100% to zero, Kilburn will win. I don't think that's quite accurate. I would definitely say for most amateur fights, it's probably not 100% to zero. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't think that'll probably that. That is a good prediction. Uh, as far as my prediction goes, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, I think Blake Alvey is going to be able to take Daniel Kilburn down, and I think he's probably not going to react too well from there. I think uh, Blake Alvey probably has the higher quality for training partners and a camp behind him. And then on top of that, he benefits from the style matchup, I think, because Daniel Kilburn is going to want to try to stay on the feet, in my opinion, if he was smart. And Blake Alvey, his job is to try and take him down. Mm-hmm. But I think it's a lot easier to get close to someone to try and take them down than keep someone away from you and try and stay on your feet which is one of the reasons why I try to train, try to train jujitsu so much is so I don't have to ever worry about going to the ground for me. Mm-hmm. It'd be nice if we could get there and I'd want to be there, you know? So I think uh, Blake Alvey may have stylistically just may have an edge there in my opinion. Okay. Next fight on the card, Katarina Fetters against Amanda Hedberg. Are you familiar with either of these fighters? I've heard of Katarina. I've heard of Katarina, but I don't, uh, I don't think I've had the opportunity to specifically watch her fight. Okay. Um. All right, let's see here. Up next, Richard Craig against Tyler Wilson, a three-in-one amateur heavyweight in Richard Craig, six foot four, fighting out of Alabama. I forget who he was matched up with. Was it Thor? Yeah, he was going to fight Thor back in twenty twenty. That's why I know his name. I've heard that name thrown around a lot. Thor. Yeah, Thor's Eric Hastings trains out of Core. Oh, okay, yeah. Um. In my opinion, a stud. He he did lose to uh, Cameron Kinzig, um, but I mean, a stud in my book. But anyways, Richard Craig's three and one as an amateur pro against Tyler Wilson, who's two and zero. Oh. oh dang! Okay. Tyler Wilson's twenty six years old, six foot one, fighting out of Arizona. Whoa! Okay. Yeah. So he's beat Tyler Britt via north south choke and Tristan Canada with an Americana. So it looks like. He has a jiu-jitsu specialty. Heck yeah. of a, a heavyweight matchup there. Up next, we have Hunter Watt. It's 6-0 and against Samaj Portis, who's 27, fighting out of Ohio. Wow, this is a couple, a matchup of a couple undefeated fighters. I love that. Is, there should be another one later on this card, too. Is there? Yeah, Kamara's okay. on here. So up next, then we have Jake Halsey at 4-2 and against Dakota Clements. And Dakota Clements. Yep, I know Dakota. I've got to train with Dakota. Okay. He trains at Fight Factory under Chris Griffin. Oh, okay, cool. But he's got yeah. really good striking and really good jujitsu, actually, too. I think he's a purple belt, maybe even a brown belt in jujitsu. 
but Dakota is good. He is 2-0 in his amateur career. Last fought in September 2021 against Demathian Bloodworth. Okay, cool. Um, okay, so Jake Halsey's 4-2, fighting out of Ohio. 25 years old, five foot eleven. He lost to Tamaris Gibson. Wow, there's no shame in that. That guy's yeah. a stud. Let me see something. Tamaris Gibson. Yeah. Man, he hasn't fucking fought. The last guy he fought was uh, your teammate, Brent Harrison. Oh, yeah. Tamaris Gibson is fucking good. He's only 21 years old. Hmm. Tamaris Gibson, or anyone who knows Tamaris Gibson, tell him I want to see him get back in there and fight. Yeah, awesome. And and for the record, the fact that Jacob Halsey lost to Tamaris Gibson, not, not much to be ashamed of for that. So that's a, a nice matchup. Once again, Jake Halsey against Dakota Clements. Up next, we have Oing. Yeah. Against Sean Littleton. So a 6-0 and amateur against a 9-4 and amateur. Dang, okay. Oling is 22 years old. Undefeated. Undefeated. Sean Littleton is 28 years old. Okay, dang. Okay. And Sean has not fought MMA since he lost to my good buddy Jamel Muhammad back in... July of 2016. Whoa, okay. So he took quite the hiatus. And like I said earlier, to be fair, Oling's great. I love him. And if I had to say, I'd probably say Oling's the favorite. But losing to Jamel Muhammad, not much to be ashamed of there. Losing to Jacob Kilburn, he fought, I think, three fights in the UFC. Um, Oh, dang. Not much to be ashamed of there. I think Kilburn lost his fights in the UFC. But, I mean, getting to that level... Very impressive. Look, one, two, my bad, he lost. Yeah, contender series, and then two fights actually in the UFC he lost. So, I mean, um, okay, so that's a nice matchup. Sean Littleton against Oling. Oling has such a unique style. Yeah, he's very, uh, I don't want to, evasive makes it sound like he doesn't want to fight, but he's so, he's flighty in his, in, in his patterns around his opponent and the way he cuts angles and stuff, and it's like almost, it's the same range and the same style, like almost style as like traditional is traditional martial arts have, especially with like like my style karate. I'm on the outside a lot, bouncing around, but he kind of like he's so long and lanky. He just takes steps. It's like he's boxing, but he's all the way out there. It's very interesting. It is very interesting. I, I've actually been able to do a little bit of um, training with Oling, and he is fucking hard to do like. MMA rounds with where you're yeah. trying to strike, mm-hmm. but then they're like, well, if I want to try to have success, I need to get him to the ground. Yeah, yeah. What's well, very difficult to get a hold of him. Yeah, I'm sure. And then you're trying and he's punching you. So it's a unique, mm-hmm. he has a very unique brand of takedown defense. Yeah. I don't know if I'm even articulating that well. Yeah. But it's like you try to get him down, you're going to, and I'm not saying I have good takedowns really, but you know, I, I just try to get in there and kind of clinch with him, and I can't because he's punching no. me. I don't know. It's a unique deal, and obviously it translates. And to be fair to Oling, he's 6-0. and He's been training training martial arts, I think, for just yeah. barely over a year. That's impressive. That's very, That's very amazing. Impressive. And all these fights, 6-0, and yeah. less than 12 months. That's what I'm saying. That's another thing. Like, you got to look at how long this man has been like just or how long like his fights have been going on and like what period they are because that's impressive there i think oling is an is actually like a very smart fighter yeah i do 
And it, saying someone's an intelligent fighter is like such a subjective thing because yeah, there's so many yeah. different ways to do it. Um, but I think he picks and chooses when he's going to attack. He's so quick. He's a basketball player. Yeah, yeah. You can't grab him. He's going to bouncing around, floating around almost like Muhammad Ali or something. And then he's going to attack you when you're least expecting it. He's super fast. Yeah, speed and timing. Those are two very important things in, in the stand-up game. All right. Next fight on the card, Zachariah Kamara making his pro debut mm-hmm. against Tyler DeHaven. Tyler is 2-0 and as a pro. I tell you, I already looked at his, uh, this dude's uh, typology. He's tough. Not only is he undefeated, he's... Like, the people he's beat are good, too. They're not pushovers. He's not beating, like, one and nines and stuff. He's beating, like, two and O's, you know, like, three and ones. He's, like, he's good. But Kamara himself is also just, like, so impressive. His cardio is insane. Mm-hmm. I I think I have decent cardio. I think I'm pretty, I'm pretty all right at it. He makes me feel like a child. I'm like, dang. I'm like, I, how could I ever, like, it's going to, it would take me years of training to get close to that. And he just like posts it on a Tuesday. He posts it. Yeah, I just posts his run on. He, I just ran twenty miles. Yeah, something like that. Something crazy like that. That is wild, and that's another testament to when we're talking about Old Ling. I was saying that there's different ways of being an intelligent fighter. There's also different ways of having good conditioning for MMA. Yeah, because a lot of very well conditioned MMA fighters are not big fans of the long distance running. Yeah, yeah. Do you do that? Yeah, I do long-distance running. I've been running uh, about, like, six to eight miles, like, at a time. Okay. For this, and it just depends. I do a bunch of different types of cardio, and you don't necessarily need to do long-distance running to be conditioned for MMA. There's a bunch of different ways to increase uh, your VO2 max and uh, increase different, uh, or just work on adaptations you would need for MMA. So there's a bunch of different ways to do it. Do you have a prediction? For this fight? This fight, oh my god! I'm good at putting people on the spot and making them make yeah. the picks. You don't have to. I uh, I don't think I'm qualified to even call it. Call that fight. I'm not either. Yeah, yeah that's, okay, yeah, that's yeah. a very impressive matchup. For me to comment on that, I wouldn't feel... That's fair. I wouldn't feel comfortable. I wouldn't feel good saying anything either way. Next fight on the card is Damon Bell against Anthony Morgan. Damon Bell trains at Area 502 MMA. Damon is actually Dakota Clement's brother. Okay. Um, Damon is someone who's been around the martial arts scene for a long time. He's 30 years old. He last fought his... Look, 10 years ago he fought Ben Fowler. What? <laughs> yeah. Um, I was going to say, I was like, look at, looking at that name. I was like, that name is familiar. Looks, looks like Ben Fowler. Um, but m- most recently... Damon has been having a lot of success doing kickboxing and then bare knuckle uh, fighting. Oh, really? Yeah. Bare knuckle's intense. Yeah. Would you ever do that? No. No. Yeah, ain't no way. Don't get to kick? Yeah, that's that's not okay with me. Okay. If I'm going to be boxing, I'm going to... You need like, to be able to do kicks, too. Yeah, kickboxing would be fun. Yeah. Okay, so Damon Bell against Anthony Morgan. Damon making his pro debut against Anthony Morgan is 3-7. and seven. Anthony Morgan... Fights out of Vision MMA Dayton. I don't know if Vision MMA Dayton's still around, to be honest. Uh, Anthony Morgan lost to some very uh, recognizable names for me. Reggie Merriweather, Ken Beverly, um, Brandon Kaiser. Wow, he's he's definitely fought. Paul Schomer back in 2010. Wow. 
<laughs> That's why I like looking at these. So I'm not real familiar with Anthony Morgan, but he's three and seven as a pro, and he had a amateur record of eight and five. So that'll be an interesting matchup. Damon Bell against Anthony Morgan. Up next, we have Angela Robles against Jose Ariaga. Something along those lines. Um, let me see here if I'm familiar with much going on here with either of these guys. Angelo is fighting out of Indiana. 6-0 and is an amateur, making his pro debut. Okay, cool. Uh, Jose is 0-1 as a pro. He had a... Two and three amateur career. Interesting. Interesting, yeah. Um, so he's fought mostly, looks like he's from maybe, yeah, from Tennessee. Fought for Jonathan Ivey's promotion, some. Up next, we have Dominique Steele sitting at 19 and 12 as a pro. <laughs> fighting against Peter New. Peter New's the guy who recently fought and beat Derek Overstreet via oh, stoppage. Now, yeah. after the Derek Overstreet loss... To Ben Fowler, mm. Derek got right back in there as soon as he could. I mean, cor- admittedly, Corona happened right after that. I yeah. was there when, and he had a bunch of fights uh, canceled and stuff. But Derek has actually went on to be really fucking good, and he works his ass off. However, he did lose to Derek Overstreet. If anyone gets a minute, go back and watch this fight. Fucking yeah. wild fight. Derek Overstreet against Peter New in June of 2022. Have you seen that? Uh, yeah, I've seen that one. Maybe yeah. you were there. Uh, I was not. I don't know if I was there. Okay, but I definitely. It was in Georgia. It was in. Oh, I wasn't there, but I watched it. I like. I, I think I saw B two post about it, and then I watched uh, what happened in the fight. Okay, but uh, Peter New is getting in there against Dominique Steele. Dominique Steele. When I started getting into MMA on the local level back in like 2013. Um, Dominique Steele was like one of the biggest names. He's a Cincinnati guy, but he was one of the top guys. And uh, I was actually at this card right here. Absolute action in June of uh, 2013, where Dominique Steele beat Joshua Thorpe. Um, But he ended up going on to fighting for Bellator in 2012. So that was actually before I saw him. But for Bellator... Um, and then he fought for the UFC three fights. He went one and two. I'm sorry, one and four in the UFC. Dang. Okay, so getting to that level is certainly says something. Yeah, absolutely. He took a little bit of a hiatus between 2019. He got back in there for the B2 Fighting Series in March of this year, winning a unanimous decision. Now he's getting back in there against Peter New. The, yeah, that'll be a a nice, according to this co-main event, Nicholas Maupin (laughs) is fucking awesome. Do you know Nick Maupin? No, I don't think I do. (laughs) Fun story. Tie this together. I was doing a podcast with, with Ben Fowler and Nick Maupin one time. We were having a couple drinks and on air, Nick was like, I'll fucking roll with you right now, Ben. I was like, you two should roll. I have mats. We were recording in my basement, two floors down, put mats out. Corey Holbrook and I were doing commentary. We were all drinking. Yeah. And um, Ben fucking triangled him. Yeah. And we're, you, can, you can go back and listen to the episode. And yeah. we're going like this. Come on, Nick. You got to tap, man. Come you, on. Oh, what the fuck? One, did he get put to sleep? He got, went out. And so you can yeah, hear it on story, the yeah. air. We're like, and then you can hear him like, Ugh. 
like making noises and stuff. But Nick's awesome. He woke right back up. He's like, what happened? He tried to act like he didn't. No, no, he, he didn't know what happened. Yeah, yeah. We'd been drinking a little bit. And Nick Maupin is a fan favorite. He's fucking hilarious. Yeah. He's fucking often awesome, and he's tough as shit. He's getting in there. According to Tapology, the main event against this guy who has maybe a, a, a Turkish name, it appears, fighting out of Dayton. Vision MMA Dayton, 23-year-old, one and, I'm sorry, two and one as a pro. I'm excited to see Nick Moppin get back in there. That'll be cool, yeah. Hell yeah. That's awesome. That's a, that's a wicked night of fights. That's a lot of fights. Hell yeah. Well, Eric, I appreciate you coming on the show. Before we wrap things up, do you have any shout-outs or, you know, I, I jokingly sometimes say to amateur fighters, any big sponsors you want to mention? <laughs> <laughs> uh, shout outs uh, just shout out to all my teammates and my uh, everyone at Derby City MMA thank you for getting me here and then uh, any sponsors I don't even know shout out Ruth Fence and Deck shout out to them that's what my uh, karate sensei does now he's a carpenter okay yeah so what is it uh, Ruth Fence and Deck what's he, actually Ruth Fence and Deck R-U-T-H yep. R-U-T-H Ruth Fence and Deck which is a fence contractor in Mount Washington, Kentucky. I assume they work with fences and decks. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Okay. 502 Mount Washington, Kentucky. Ruth, fence, and deck. If you need any work, check them out. All right. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate you coming on, Eric. We'll have to do it again sometime. Absolutely. Thank you for having me on. It was a, it was a really awesome time. You're very welcome. Thank you. I want to thank everyone for tuning in to The Kelly Patrick Show. Of course, we will have another episode out soon.